looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. This is Pass the Post, Sunday, March 27. Thanks for your company. Hope it was a winning day yesterday. Well, it was a day of uh, a, su- a surprise, but maybe not a surprise. Of course, we've been lauding how... Sydney has been able to get through the carnival with these heavy tracks, but yesterday it's the one that beats the best of them, rain on the day. And after three races, the Rose Hill track was considered unraceable. The stewards met with jockeys, and it was decided to postpone the remainder of the card, the last seven races. And as Ben Norris joins me in studio, I think a very uh, logical move and a, a smart move to transfer those seven races to the Newcastle track, which is a great draining track. I see already a soft seven for tomorrow, and uh, we'll have the races uh, run. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, it had to be run as soon as possible, really, didn't it, with, um, you know, so many Oaks horses, for instance, uh, you know, set the, set the race. You wouldn't have wanted to uh, have it on a later day, I guess, would you? Like midweek Wednesday, it would have been maybe potentially too quick a turnaround um, for that day. Uh, but, look, yeah, the right decision was made. I mean, the jockeys were saying they simply couldn't, see a thing after them um and i know my colleague at um, the, the courier mail uh, trenton acres um he part owns dalahat which was a favorite in the first and he actually sent me a text message he was down there watching it yesterday and he said james mcdonald this is after the first one it was only a heavy nine and before the big rains came he said james mcdonald said this is the heaviest track he's ridden on in six or seven years and that was before the big rain came so yeah. right decision yeah big rain came during race two and then race three they they ran mount popper one and that was the end of the day. There had been, there was a little school of thought, and, and this has happened before, that they put the carnival back one week. But I think what they've done is they've achieved two things. They've run the meeting as, as, as early as possible, the postponed meeting, and they're running it on a track that will be, will offer, you know, a, not say a good service, but a soft service, a soft seven service. But it's been an unbelievable uh, situation where I think Ray Thomas ran, the last time there was a good track in Sydney was January 29, and here we are nearly in April. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's incredible, and I um, endorse your remarks at the top of the show. I mean, it's incredible we haven't lost a meeting Mm. up until now. But, look, I think I wouldn't have liked to have seen them push back the whole carnival a week. They did that, um, obviously, with with Golden Slipper Day there when it was wet. But I suppose, I mean, if you had have done that, you would have had all the the trainers of the sprinters, the the TJ Smith horses next week blowing up and saying, well, hang on, we've got our sprinters peaking for this day, and now you've pushed it back a week. So, look... Uh, I think they've made the best of a bad situation. Well, let's stay with this Newcastle meeting. And our first guest this morning is a man who would have been watching things very uh, intently yesterday, what happened during the day and what the decision was. And, of course, it's David Van Dyke who trains the unbeaten Philly Gypsy Goddess. She's she's getting ready for the Oaks, and the Vinery Stud Stakes is a key lead-up. It's on tomorrow. It's back to 1850 from 2000. I think David's on the line now. David, Good morning. Good morning. So uh, I'm sure you would agree that, uh, well, firstly, that the the meeting had to be called off, but a sensible decision and um, a logical decision to to run this meeting as soon as possible and on a track that's going to be in the soft seven range. Yes, look, uh, we had a um, fairly big downpour mid-morning here at Rose Hill, and I said to the owners, if it wasn't a Group 1 race today, I'd be scratching... Um, the track didn't look good at all and um, you know the first race there some of the runners just weren't handling it mm. and they were just cantering to the line which is a pretty bad sign of 
how a track's playing. So um, when they um, postponed the meeting, I was delighted. And um, I know one option was Wednesday, Warwick Farm. That wouldn't have suited us. Um, and then um, to wait a week and then readjust uh, the Oaks uh, is an ideal. So I'm very happy to be going up to Newcastle tomorrow. Obviously, it it means she hasn't had an ideal preparation for this race um, because it's now four days since she's done any serious work. Uh, three of those days, she didn't even have a saddle on her back. But look, we're all pretty much in the same boat. I mean, there's no horse now that would have had exactly the work schedule that their trainer would have liked. Some horses may be advantaged by that and others won't be, but um, we're all in the same boat. Um, back to 1850 or 21850 as opposed to the 2000, well, that probably advantage is hinged a bit more than it does us. Um, but in saying that, you know, it is Newcastle, 415 metres straight. It's longer than Randwick or, or Rose Hill. And, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be going around. David, um, if the meeting, not that it was probably ever going to when it got that bad, but if the meeting, they had found a way to keep the meeting going yesterday on that really sloppy track, would you have reconsidered and scratched Gypsy Goddess um, anyway or would you have still raced her? Oh, look, I would have raced her for two reasons. Firstly, it's a group one and, you know, we never know when we're getting, going to get another opportunity at a group one and she's a filly and, you know, um, it's such an important milestone for them to to either win or run a place in that type of race. Um, and secondly, um, we needed to run yesterday if they were on as a lead-up to the Oaks we couldn't have gone straight into the Oaks second up and I wouldn't have wanted to run the week earlier uh, second up and then gone into the Oaks. So, yeah, we would have gone around if they went round, but it would have been far from ideal. And I don't know if you remember, I scratched alligator blood at Rose Hill one day. I wasn't happy with the circumstances of the race and um, he went on and, and did very well after that. So... There's a bit of a benchmark for us not to go round. And, um, yeah, like I say, I was more than happy with the final decision. We can get some comfort that we're going to Newcastle tomorrow on a track that uh, won't be saturated. As we said, the, the rating this morning's a soft seven. That could even improve in 24 hours' time. And I think you might have discussed this with Andrew Brown yesterday. There's no real historical evidence for this, this Philly gypsy goddess in regards to heavy tracks, certainly not on race day. And... I think you've said most of the time she works on the polytrack there. So uh, I think it, it's fair to say that even though we're going to Newcastle tomorrow, there's a strong likelihood that the championships are going to, or could be run on heavy tracks. Uh, there's you know there's certainly a possibility, but there's no real guide there for, for her, is there? No, and uh, you make a good point. And also the fact that her last two wins have been at Eagle Farm and uh, although that can be a bit shifty on top, it's got quite a firm base to it. Um, she handled that firm surface very well. And the only sort of softish track she's been on was Dooman that day. Uh, but, yeah, she's never experienced heavy, especially something like yesterday. Newcastle, 
plays really well. And yesterday in the first race, I noted that the horses on pace kicked and and did well and horses out wide weren't running home. Whereas I've watched all the races from yesterday at Newcastle and um, it actually favours horses off pace Mm. and coming out wide. So the pattern of play at Newcastle tomorrow... Uh, should be ideal for our filly as opposed to what she, uh, uh, as opposed to what it would have been yesterday at Rose Hill, and indeed very elegant the week before. You know, struggled to get wide and make ground. So, um, yeah, that's another pointer towards a, a good performance tomorrow. David, I've talked to to you about this uh, for a story I did for the Courier Mail a couple of weeks ago, but. Um, with her picket fence of wins, um, she's won you know, unbeaten five wins. You're not that concerned with, with trying to preserve those. I mean, obviously you wanted to win every time she steps out, but but the actual winning sequence, it's neither here nor there for you, really, is it? No, I think preparing her for a Group One is much more important than trying to keep a picket fence intact. At the end of the day, um, you know, when she goes to be a broodmare. Uh, the picket fence won't be relevant. The relevance will be what she's done uh, at the highest level. And um, if we have to sacrifice a win, uh, as you said, we don't want to, but if we do sacrifice a win for me to um, train her to win a Group 1, um, then that's fine. We And I think I said to you before her last start at Eagle Farm, I'm not desperate to win. I'm desperate for her to relax back in the field and just find the line strong so I can peak her for the oats. And um, the wonderful thing is since she's come down here to Sydney, uh, she's really come on. And um, I think we're going to see an improved horse moving forward into tomorrow. And indeed, um, we should have a 100% for the oats. That's that's an ominous sign for her rivals. Look, I was on a lonely planet the other day, David. I think you know I'm a hard marker, and she was coming back from a break, and and I was prepared to risk her, uh, and I suppose largely, too, built into that was the price. You know, she was, I think, at odds-on at one stage, and anyway, um, I'm not saying I was proven wrong, but but I I was sort of glad I was, was proven wrong in a way that she absolutely cantered in I suppose the one thing, and, I, and I'd like to ask you this question, and, I, and I'd ask it with no disrespect. She's unbeaten. She's yet to beat anything that you would consider above average. That's my opinion. You, you might disagree with that. Um, tomorrow, I, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for her to show how good she is, and, and we hope that she can extend that picket fence. But do you take on board what I say? Is, is that, Am I being relevant or am I being too hard? No, I agree with you. Um, and I thought she was a risk last start. Um, look, I'm nearly wrong about this filly every time she goes round. She always seems to do more than I expect. Mm. And that's a wonderful sign and great position for me to be in with her. Um, you know, I've spoken to some very astute judges about our chances in this finery. And, um, you know, the expectation is that if she runs home in this type of quality field and runs a nice fourth or fifth finding the line well, then that's a good sign moving forward into the Oaks and that sort of tells us that, you know, she's not out of place against these type of fillies because 
they are a lot better than what she's run against. Um, in saying that, because she's got that X factor and we can't quantify that into her performance tomorrow, uh, we're only guessing she could go out there and just blow them away. So um, there's, a, there's a real um, distance in expectation between uh, what she may do and what she could do, if that makes sense. It does. Um, so everything going to plan, uh, we go to tomorrow, then we go to the Oaks. Uh, will you extend it to, to, to our carnival here? Um, I've asked myself that many times, and I don't know. I'll just see how she recovers, how she travels home. Um, I was expecting her to get down here, leave feed, uh, maybe look a bit like going into her first up run here, get over the vinery and then hopefully recover and improve for the Oaks. But she's, um, you know, she's absolutely uh, jumping out of her skin and Willie Pike rode her this morning here at Rose Hill um, I did do a little bit of fast work, albeit day before the race, but she just hasn't done anything since earlier in the week, and she's so well. And um, you know, Willie just got off, and he said, he said, I don't ride many horses like this. She just, she's bouncing. She's got a spring in her step. She feels fantastic. And um, yeah, like I say, she just keeps surprising me in all ways. So would she be in the right place to go towards Winter Carnival? Um, the average horse may not be, but we'll certainly consider all options after the Oaks. Yeah, it's a, it's a very serious option, but of course we do know too that she handles Eagle Farm. It's interesting, isn't it, just before you go, and, and we appreciate your time this morning, I know you're one that's often said before you respect the market. You, you, you look at markets and you respect what the market assessors say. It's interesting, isn't it? Tomorrow, she's the $4.60 second favourite, yet in the uh, futures market for the Oaks, she's the $4.50 favourite, clear of pretty amazing at $8. That tells me one important thing that the market uh, assessors are thinking too, that we know whether she wins or loses tomorrow, we know she can stay, and we can't necessarily say that about some of her main rivals. Well, exactly. And, you know, it was interesting also to note the first thing I did was check the market for the vinery with the um, race being transferred to Newcastle and coming back to 1850. Hinged all of a sudden was um, initially when they opened 360 and we were 550. So there was a real gap there between Hinged and us um, because of that reduction in distance. Uh, so, you know, out to the 2,400, everything that this filly's done um, with her attitude, her race performances, her breeding, all suggests, you know, she's the one um, that's really going to excel up, up at that 2,400 metres. And indeed, you know, basically from the before she started, um, we had in mind, well, you know, We'll try and get her into the Oaks. That's the race we were aiming towards. So, yeah, that's um, no surprise to see a favourite there. 
I'll have to put you on the payroll if I ask one more question, but I'm going to. Just a quick one and we'll go off, Gypsy Goddess. Uh, give us the update on this this uh, horse, Orbison. Um, he'll be having a jump out next, this coming Tuesday. Fair enough. Any idea of a return to the track or when? Not at this stage. We'll just give him um, two or three jump outs or trials and then and then uh, give him an easy race first up. Good on you, mate. And good luck tomorrow. We, we wish you really well. Thank you. David Van Dyke, always good with his time, joining us to discuss the aftermath of yesterday's decision and uh, yeah, a lot of confidence there, I think, bubbling below the surface. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, those questions you posed to him about the fact that, you know, she hasn't beaten much were absolutely irrelevant. But there was another Queensland horse that hadn't beaten much before he went south. A horse called Incentivise. And, and everyone was saying when he went south, well, you know what, he's been streeting him. He's been winning like Farlap, but he's been beating absolutely nothing. So maybe this girl's, I'm not saying she's incentivised, but maybe she's just got that explosive X factor and and um, she could just go down there and brain him as well. I just reckon, though, just uh, I've known David Van Dyke for quite a while and I think the way he's talking is, and even with this race at 2,000 metres yesterday, let alone 1850 tomorrow, I just think... I would not be surprised to see Gypsy Goddess, Gypsy Goddess storming home into second, third or fourth and everyone saying, wow, wee, wasn't that a run from an Oaks yeah. point of view? Well, not necessarily winning. Well, I, I, and I turn around quickly. I wouldn't be surprised to see a win tomorrow. I mean, uh, I, I thought she was a, a, a risk the other day only because, in my own mind, I'm saying she's, a short, she's short odds. What has she beaten in her first campaign? I didn't think she ran any special times. Um, and it's, it's about the odds often with me, and I think with a lot of people out there too, a lot of our listeners, it's about the price. I mean, you might think a horse can win, but you say, well, I'm not going to take that price, but if it's that price, you might you might take it. Um, but the way she won the other day, it was it was arrogant. She just, just joined and said, see you later, boys and girls, and away she went. Well, I've got to say, she she's actually getting out to a pretty backable price tomorrow. I mean, I'm just, David referenced the odds there before, but just looking at the latest tab odds, Hinge is a $3.60 favourite now, and Gypsy Goddess is four dollars sixty. So if you do like it tomorrow, you're getting okay odds. I think she was four dollars, wasn't she, uh, for yesterday's race? So mm. you, you know you're getting an extra bit of a spoil if, if you think she can do it tomorrow. Just changing the subject ever so dramatically. I see a man outside there cleaning the windows here of our studio, all hardest up. See him out there? There he is. There he is. That's think, not that's not David Salmon, is it? The the boss uh, of this. Think, I I actually thought it was Wendy Rigby for a moment, uh, who works here, but it's well, not her. No. He said us looking at him now, he thinks we're, we're making fun of him, we're not. Hello, how are you? <laughs> but, but always think yourself lucky you're in here yeah. and not out there. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be ideal. Well, I'm no good with heights, by the way. I don't mind planes. When I'm on planes, I'm fine. But if I'm on a fixed structure looking down, I, I just can't go anywhere near the I could think of a more frightening job. No, it, mind you, he's probably on more money than you and I. <laughs> Maybe. Or me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Don't forget then, seven races tomorrow at Newcastle. At this stage, a soft seven. That rating came through a couple of hours ago, so there's all, there's a good chance it may improve with no rain. Uh, and we'll have the preview on tomorrow morning here on Racing Active. We'll have the, the up-to-date prices on tab fixed as well with, with Gerard Daffy. So that's tomorrow morning after press room here on Radio Tab. So we'll move on from Sydney now and go to Mornington and then a little later we're going to have a good look at Dooman yesterday. But Mornington was their cup day. I thought the first race we'd have a listen to, though, is their feature sprint. This is the Hariba Stakes and it was an open betting race. They jump 
uh, past the 600 metres mark now. They bunched up a bit. Award winner, the front runner from Vane Stream and wide out Sampson. Maritana behind those. Superium coming around, not an option. Signore Fox, high tail, well back. Chassis needing room, but getting into it. They come around the home bend. Award winner from Vane Stream. They're five abreast on the corner, not an option. Grab the lot of them. Superium running on, going back to the fence. Maritana, chassis getting out late. Not an option in front. Superium coming at it. It's not an option. The leader, Superium, can't get there at the moment. Not an option. Clinging on for victory and not an option in a boil over wins the Hariba. Second, Superium, chassis third from Samson, Maritana, Hightail, Signore Fox, Wellback, Vane Stream, and award winner last in. Yes, not an option. Knocking out most at big odds. Uh, Mike Moroni training and he joins us now on Past the Post. Mike, good morning. Yeah, morning. I was watching this race in the broadcast box at Doom and I saw those colours and I saw that or saw the name and I thought, hello, sort of remember calling this horse once before. And this was the horse, of course, that Tony Pike brought here uh, last year for a handful of starts. Yeah, he did, actually. We were um, boxed at the same place. Uh, with, I had Tefane there and mm. saw him there and he's a gorgeous-looking horse, um, but pretty colty. Um, I could see that there. Had a bit of trouble with him then. Uh, and then they ended up sending him to me, and I gave him one run, and he raced accordingly. He just travelled up lovely, uh, but once asked to go, he just didn't want to take part at all. So it was very disappointing. Um, Patrick Maloney came back in and just said to me, look, he's a real lad, he wants gelding. And I said, yeah, look, I'll have a talk to the owners, but I know they, they bought him to try and make a stallion out of him. I had a talk to him, and they eventually agreed that he should be gelded. Um, Henry Pumtree is in charge there and and he was really good to deal with um, I know it was a, a big um, decision they had to make uh, but as I said to them look, they can win the money over here if they um, mm. he's only young and uh, he was going to struggle to find the, the right uh, stud etc to, to be able to back him so they did the right thing I think and, and gelded him and um, on the proviso that I sort of brought him back quickly after the gelding, which I did. I brought him back into the stable after about four weeks. But he wasn't right. Um, just sore all round. And I just think he'd just wear and tear on his uh, all four joints. We did a little bit of homework there, and, and that's what it was. So I rang them again and just said, look, I want to give him a nice break and let him get over everything. Um, and then we use uh, some uh, stuff called Arthramid on them, uh, which basically is um, instead of cortisone, uh, it was cortisone tends to sort of um, be a quick fix, but this here helps them long term and and enhances uh, the cartilage in their joint. Just um, and you only have to give them one one sort of um, shot at the beginning of each campaign. So we've done that, and and that's really helped them. It's helped a few of mine now. So um, it certainly is a, is a big help. And uh, he's put on something like 12 kilos to what he was when I had him in as a colt. Obviously, something was, was hurt them, and he wasn't. Um, happy at all, and he's now a happy horse and, and one accordingly. He, I think if people did their form, and the same with Rock and Horse, if they really did their form and studied it, they would have thought, well, if he, if he can bring his A game um, after the gelding, well, he's right in, the, in this race, you know, and that's how, what I felt going into it, that if he could just bring his A game, he was he was a, up to his ears and and uh, race, uh, how he was trialling, he's been trialling very well as well. I don't know if you're a punter at all, Mike, but after winning the new market with a hundred to one shot and forty to one yesterday, gee whiz, you would have had a fill up if you 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 were having a bet. Did you have a bet, or did you did you tip the sky to anyone yesterday? I'm not a punter. 
I'm, 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 I find that I'll be a, a very sore loser at Bowman Judgment of it. So, but I've got my partner Karen. I've she had a little bit. So, and then I'm rocking horse as well. So, um, yeah, it's worked out really well. And I know back in New Zealand, all my staff back in New Zealand, there they Pam was telling me that on the Monday morning they're all all um, very very happy and they had pocket uh, pocketfuls of money. They back the back over there. So, what about uh, it's a sort of an interesting time that that uh, he's come back because you're at the end of the autumn carnival the sydney's getting towards the end is there a, a chance he might go to adelaide or brisbane uh more than likely adelaide um henry was telling me that he's got he just seems uh more comfortable going left-handed mm. um so for that reason we're probably going to go um having a race of the goodwood uh would be uh, one of the races we'd be eyeballing with them fair enough I want to talk about a horse that that uh, I watched in Melbourne. I thought it was well, it was outstanding. Banker's Choice he went to Sydney and ran on that uh, that heavy track at Rose Hill. Is he still Doncaster bound? If he can make the field, we're hoping. Yeah. Fingers crossed, he does. I think if he does, he'll be right in it. Um, he probably got into what was uh, the slowest lane um, out very wide. I think he had to be a little bit further in. And uh, Jay Ford said that the once he sprinted and got there. He says his legs started to really spit on the ground and it just told the last bit. But I think that, as I found with Rose Hill and ran with those two totally different tracks, and it wouldn't surprise me with the sweat track form in New Zealand that he gets through something like Ramwick. And uh, it'd be nice to see him make the field because I think he's uh, well worthy of making it. He's a, a very talented horse with a lot of it. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about him. I saw he came here with a good record and was just watching that race in Melbourne and... You know, he, 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 he ran on like he shouldn't have in ter- terms of the, the, the sectional breakdown. And then, as you say, on the heavy track at Rose Hill the other day, just before you go and, and just looking towards our carnival here, and you're a, you're a regular, uh, you did so well with Defano last year. Have you got any plans in mind for any horses in particular that you might be targeting Brisbane with? Yeah, look, we've organised some boxes, so we, we will be bringing horses here, uh, up there. Look, the first one that, that we're pretty keen to get up there is, is Buffalo River. Mm. Um, he's uh, one of the first ones. And the rest of us still um, sort of a work in progress. And some of us sit in Sydney. We've got to work out whether we want to keep going with them. And that'll really depend on weather in Sydney a bit too um, as to what we do there. It's all pretty much up in the air now with um, all the weather we've been getting there. So, But, look, we are going to have a bit of a team there. Um, you know, hopefully there'll be four or five at least. Whether you get a start or not with Banker's Choice, could he push on to Brisbane? I'm just a bit worried about him having had a long enough campaign, mm. um, and that would be the question mark. He's sort of done a bit of racing in New Zealand and done a bit of travelling now, so uh, you know we we just may pull up stumps and concentrate on the spring. But we'll just see what 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 transpires this weekend with the uh, next weekend where he makes the the field and then. If he does it, we're going to have to have a bit of a think about what we're going to do. Always good to talk to you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here during the winter. OK, thank you. Mike Moroney joining us this morning on Past the Post, and not an option. Yeah, with uh, Tony Pike. Uh, didn't set the world on fire during the carnival here last year, but always had a bit of a rap on him. And, uh, yeah, what was it, 40, $41? Rocket Horse, $101? Yeah, and the Maloney's combining again. Uh, obviously not related, but Patrick and Mike... Uh, on the year mark, obviously, and did it again yesterday. Uh, I couldn't have backed that horse with stolen money, really, but um, good luck to him. And it's, uh, you know, you make a very good case in retrospect, can't you, I guess? 
You never have any luck with stolen money. Don't you? Even if you think it's a certainty, if you've got stolen money, they never win. But I don't have any luck with normal money, so I might as well steal some. Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, I suppose. But I'm saying stolen money is no good. Right. Take it from someone who knows. <laughs> Take yes. it from someone who knows. We haven't finished with Mornington yet. Let's go to the Cup. And uh, this was only a small field. And it was considered sort of a match race between Pondus and Crystal Pegasus. Coming down the side, racing to the 800 metres mark. Sacramento a length in front of moving up. Whitehawk Pondus about to wheeze out from Kabulo. The tempo was not strong. A length and a half away, Crystal Pegasus. Then came Defibrillate and De Duzdart last. It's a bunch cup feel as they pass the 600. Pondus came out three wide to stake. He's claimed to go after Sacramento. He looked to be going better than Sacramento. Crystal Pegasus a length away. De Duzdart sweeping around the field from Defibrillate. The cup favourite Pondus in front. Front, Crystal Pegasus looming dangerously, running on to Doosdart and Defibrillate, getting into the race as they turn. Going up on the outside, Crystal Pegasus. He's taken the lead from Pondus. Pondus has to rally, and he does just that. Crystal Pegasus and Pondus. It's on the outside. Williams on Crystal Pegasus. Mickey D. Pondus. Crystal Pegasus takes the lead. Four on the march, and he takes the Ned's Mornington Cup by a link to Pondus. Two links away to Doosdart, Defibrillate. Then came Whitehawk Sacramento, badly out of form today. And and last of all is Kabulo. Craig Williams riding Crystal Pegasus for the Chris Wallace stable. Lightly raced, good strike rate, seven from 20. He was beaten first up in the summer, but he's won four in a row down. I think he's going to go to the Sydney Cup. Yep, definitely talking about the Sydney Cup post-race. I had a feeling Chris Waller was going to have a fat weekend in Melbourne because I was watching the telecast of the Mooney Valley races featuring the William Bree, the group one, obviously, mm. On Friday night, and there he was. He just bobbed up with a picture on Instagram, Chris Waller, with the Winx statue, and he said, this is the first time I've been here in two years. And I sort of thought to myself, right, he's obviously going down there for something. Uh, you know, won the William Reid. September, September run. September run at $15, and I'm tipping he wasn't at Mornington yesterday, but um, just had a feeling he'd have a, uh, have a fat weekend, which he certainly did. Now, that horse obviously gets an all-important ticket um, into the Caulfield Cup. It's a win in your in race, but look... A long way to go. I think only two of the last 11 Mornington Cup winners have even raced in the Caulfield Cup in the same year. So just because uh, you get the golden ticket doesn't necessarily guarantee you, you know, I mean, anything could happen with that horse, couldn't it, I suppose. And it's not necessarily the best sort of form reference, I suppose, a Mornington Cup for a Caulfield Cup. It's an excellent carrot, but uh, it's placing, and this has been some cause for discussion because only a field of eight accepted, um, it's at the tail end of the carnival and most of the stays have been there, done that, or might be going to Sydney. So it seems an awkward spot there, but then where do you put it? But anyway, that doesn't worry the connections of Crystal Pegasus and more than likely he's off to the Sydney Cup. Now $9 currently in a wide betting race at the moment, Spanish Mission at $8. The Cup, of course, on the second day of the championships, the 9th of April. We'll go to one more highlight from Mornington. This race requires a bit of discussion. It was the Guineas. It's up for grabs. They come to the bend in the Guineas. Rhinoceros going after Zarel. Here comes Sharp Response with a lightning bit around the outside. The little bloke went wham, bam, and he raced to the front and shot clear. In the straight, Sharp Response found two links on Zarel. Then British Columbia wide out reset the Jazz and Commander Harry running on. He's getting tied on the outside. Here comes flying down the outside. Commander Harry going after Sharp Response. Sharp Response still in front of Jungle Magnate and Sharp Response has beaten Jungle 
Eagle Magnate and third Commander Harry from British Columbia reset the Jazz. Blushing Tycoon, Daily Bugle, then came Zarel Rhinoceros, top honour, and Ken Tartan last in. A friend of mine had something on Jungle Magnate and was rearing the fact it ran second, and then I was able to advise if there was a protest, and uh, ultimately it was upheld. Yeah, this was a, a whip protest, but not really a whip protest. No. But having said that, it did involve a whip, so... Fascinating stuff. Damien Oliver, uh, who rode Jungle Magnate second across the line, protested against uh, Bo Mertens and Sharp Response. Uh, basically, Jungle Magnate uh, was, was struck a couple of times on the head uh, with Bo Mertens' whip uh, in an accidental fashion. He obviously didn't mean it, but really um, you know, put the, put the horse off its game. I think Stewards looked at the first one and said, look, we're not satisfied that you know that made any substantive difference to the result of the race, but it was the second one. Um, that they zeroed in on. I must admit, having a look at the head-on, you could not disagree with it being upheld. And just from doing a bit of a straw poll at the races at Dooman yesterday, uh, I couldn't find anyone really in disagreement with it. 100% agree with you there. Uh, there was the, the, the two uh, whip strikes and also that, that shifting out. So enough evidence there to suggest the result to be reversed. He looks a promising type, this jungle magnate. I like horses who can win first up. Uh, like He's won a first up there. At the mile, uh, of course, he contested the derby. Um, in fact, uh, yes, he, did. he contested the derby during the spring. He's only lightly raced in good hands. Big prize, Michael Kent Jr. And obviously, he'll be on a derby path either to Adelaide or, or Queensland. Yeah, I think he's better than what we think. I, I mean, he ran 10th in the derby. I remember talking to Mick Price before that, and Mick Price had one of the favourites in the derby. I can't remember uh, what it was. I should be able to remember. But anyway, Jungle Magnate was, was a roughie, I think, 17 or $18 in the derby. And he said, look, I actually like... Jungle Magnet, I think he's a really promising horse. Didn't fire on the day, ran 10th, but clearly they've got something to work with there. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. We'll come back and have a good look at the meeting at Dooman yesterday. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Don't forget that website, archerparkracing.com.au. Talking about sales, of course, they were active at the Magic Millions March Healing Sale earlier in the week. They've got five out of there. Uh, some well-bred horses, Spirit of Booms and Asterns and the like. Uh, trained by the best, Gollan, Edmonds, Kendrick. Have a look at their, their pedigrees, their backgrounds, and uh, you can buy a share, 5%. If you want more, that's the case. It's all up there on the website, archerparkracing.com.au. They take racing ownership to the next level. Nine at Doombin yesterday... Uh, heavy eight, went to a soft seven midway through the day. I felt it was a track that was probably that soft range all day. Didn't seem to affect the chances of any run-up. Let's go to the first race. We rarely do this, but we'll go to the first race because it unveiled a very smart juvenile called Steady Ready. We were well primed for him. He trialled brilliantly and he went out the favourite at $2.30. They are spread out over plenty of real estate. Heading by the 400-meter pilot, Luke Tarrant sent the favourite into the bend in the lead. It's Steady Ready out in front from Luna Goddess. They're followed by Titian Goddess. Then came at the head of the others, Jerry Mann, and the rest not doing enough. But Steady Ready under a good hold from Tarrant. He's going great guns with 100 metres left to go. He's well clear. Titian Goddess up to second. Then Jerry Mander and Luna Goddess. But Steady Ready was far too good for them. One by six lengths. Looked a certainty and one as such. Beat home Titian Goddess, Jerry Mann and flop turn river then came Luna Goddess at the head of the others was Smart Ribbick Road Trip did nothing and Taboogie last home in 1-1-66 yes 61-66 on the heavy A track as easy as you like Tony and Maddie see us in a training partnership and Tony joins us now on Past the Post Tony good morning morning how are you 
I'm well. It reminded me of the old days yesterday. They say you can't live in the past, but it's fun to remember it. Went to the track uh, on a big trial, uh, was set out the favourite, drew the rails gate, bolted it. We used to see this 20 or 30 years ago. We don't see it as much these days, but uh, no surprise to you that horse winning yesterday. No, not at all, David. Um, as I said, his trials have been good. He's, he's shown a lot of ability from, from day dot, so... Um, like the only, if there was a, if there was any doubt, probably it was on a wet track. But I wasn't really uh, concerned about that. I thought, you know, even if he probably didn't hand it 100, percent he'd still be probably too good for them, you know. Tony, you don't strike me as necessarily the most emotional man, but you were very emotional after this win yesterday. I think there might have even been some tears in your eyes, and I suspect that was to do with Luke Tarrant. Um, riding this one home for you. Obviously, he's been out of the saddle for a while, um, back in city and back in the city with a win. And you were telling me post race that this was particularly special in that he's been very close to your family for, for quite some time, and you, you've stuck solid with him. Yeah, it was really. Um, you know, as I said, yeah, that's, that's true. Luke's um, you know, a very good friend of ours, and we, we you know we have a lot of respect for him, and, and I know he has a lot of respect for my family too. You know. Um, so, you know, he walked in the stables probably a month ago or something like that. And uh, thanks to probably my apprentice, Ballarab Jane, she she took him into his pla- her place and she's looked after him probably since then. And, you know, I said, if you, um, you know, if you do the hard yards, you know, I'm prepared to give you a couple of good rides. And I said, there's a horse right there that I think he's one of the better horses I've trained. And I said, we, you know, me and Matty will both um, support you if you if you do the right thing. And he hasn't missed a day since since then, and um, you know, I don't expect him to be any different. And you were saying to me yesterday too, Tony, you, you've very much been open with him, and he's been open with you that you feel this is his last chance in racing, and he really needs to to seize it. And, and the early signs are good. Yeah, well, I think so. Um, I think he, you know, like he, he knows himself, um, you know, with the stewards and everything like that. Like um, you know, got to do the right thing, like everyone does, or or you know. He's probably out the door, you know, and he's very lucky. Um, you know, he's got Mal and Frank at Calounder, which are like his mother and father to him as well. You know, they, they've been through thick and thin with him, and uh, you know, way, way more than our family has, and um, and they support him all the way through too. So, you know, it's probably a little bit emotional that way, and plus, you know, me and Matty had a big opinion of this horse for a long time, and, you know, sometimes you, you think to yourself, you know, I just hope this doesn't go to the races, and it just doesn't go any good, you know, because I'd be—I would have probably been shattered if I did, um, because you know he—he he should go to the race and do what he what he done, you know. Let's go back in time a bit. What sale did Steady Ready come out of? Uh, he came out of the Magic Million uh, Book Two. Paul Moroney bought him bought him for us. Right. How much? Ah, uh, seventy thousand. By better than ready out of a, a mirror I had a look at uh, our first lady it was only relatively lightly raced. So with this uh, with this colt, did he show it from day one for you? Oh, the first day he ever galloped. Um, yeah, probably yeah. The very very first day he even had a gallop. I had, uh, got a bloke that rides worked me from England, uh, Ryan Crawford, and uh, I think he's a pretty good judge too. And he said to me, oh, I've never ever rode a horse. To gallop like this, as he as he had a couple more gallops, you know, we started to think, well, I rang Paul and I said, you know, this might be, this might be real good. This. 
And uh, Tony, I suppose you've got some fascinating decisions to make now with him. I mean, if he's not a winner carnival horse, I'm I'm not here. But we are still a fair way. Uh, you know, I mean, in some ways we're on the doorstep of the winter carnival, but but the but the good races are still a fair way off. You mentioned the Del Rello yesterday. Uh, what are you sort of thinking? Would you like to get him into some of the the, the big time action in the winter carnival? Yeah, well, what we what we're, what we're going to do with him is um, he'll go to Washburn Lodge tomorrow. You know, probably have a week or ten days down there, and I'll, I'll aim him at the Del Rello. Um, and then uh, I'm just going to have to see where we go from here because, uh, as I said, he's been in work quite a while, this horse, um, um, through different, oh, just, just through different reasons. Uh, we had a bit of trouble, you know, we had to get a name for him, and plus, you know, two or three times we had to put the name, and it was knocked back. So. Otherwise, you know, we did actually have him targeted for the duel, and he he would have definitely gone there had had we been able to to go there. But uh, as it turned out, uh, he he wasn't uh, he wasn't able to get there through um, through the barriers, rolls and things like that. So we're going to um, so that's what we'll do. We'll aim him at the Del Rello, and then um, we'll sort of go on from there. There's quite a few, you know, like you got the Champagne and other races to uh, to go on to if. Now, if he holds up that long, he's a very, very tough horse. Uh, he eats everything. He's, he's so quiet and relaxed and, you know, very lucky we've got a property out of town and he spends quite a bit of time out there, like, um, so we can take him home and, and freshen him up and, you know, take him back in the afternoon. So that that's a big help to him, you know. I suppose uh, just for the, for the putters who saw his barrier trial and saw his win yesterday... They've sort of got him in the in the frame of mind of as a, a short course horse because the trial at Toowoomba was what, 650 and it was 1,050 yesterday. But you know the horse better than anyone. Is he the sort of horse you feel will, will go to 1,200, 1,400? Well, David, uh, to be quite honest with you, the only, time, the only reason I didn't trial him over further because I think he would have won by half the straight. <laughs> um, and I didn't really plan to trial him. Uh, I was actually going to run him without a trial. Um, but I've got no worries about... Um, he's not a horse that... You know, I've got a lot of short-course, fast horses that get 800 metres, 1,000 metres, but he's a totally different type to that. He's, you know, he's got... Yes, he has got a lot of lot of speed, but, you know, I've worked him with, with, with decent horses on the track, and he's he's not just... A, a, you know, there's, there's no worries about him running 1,200. Tony, just uh, give us a bit of an insight into your training partnership with your daughter. Like, there's a lot of training partnerships in Australia now, but I, I you know, I'm sure I'll be reminded of uh, that I'm wrong here. But I can't think of another one that's a you know father and daughter training combination. What are the dynamics of it? You're obviously the boss, but how, do, how does it all sort of come together? I used to be the boss, but I'm not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're very lucky. We got a very relationship uh, me and Madison we very rarely ever argue um, she's on the same page as I are all the time and she's very good for you know not just for me but for all our owners she she does a lot of work you know talking to owners and, and sending out stuff like that and um, yeah and she and she, you know she's yeah, you know, she could she could train horses without even me being there. There'd be no problem there. I'm quite confident about that. Um, but yeah, it's good to have two heads there, and um, yeah, we get on extremely well. Um, so I can't see why it won't it won't continue. 
Thanks for your time this morning. I think it's one of the most exciting uh, performances from a two-year-old we've seen this season. Just before you go, though, I've got to say one thing to the listeners. I read the story on Friday, and uh, you said, uh, "You said, look, yeah, he won the trial uh, by 13 lengths, but, you know, what did he beat? I thought, there's the Kiwi coming out of you. <laughs> you can't help yourself, can you? No, thank you. <laughs> Talk soon. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, I said, please, what did he beat? The well, horse was a world certainty. The world knew it, and he's trying to put that, that slow on. Oh, what did it beat? But you say the world knew it. You, you do realise he went out $2.30. I mean, in retrospect, I mean, they, look, he should have been thirty, not $2.30. 100%. The strange part was, uh, I think on a Friday morning when I looked at the prices, I'd been a bit late coming to the meeting, and he was $2.50 with Sweetie in the race. She came out, and he was still 2 30 yesterday morning, and I was thinking to myself... This seems too good a price, and uh, he sort of just hovered around that market and stayed at that mark, and, well, he did what uh, the stable expected of him. That wasn't the first... He, he officially won that trial, but he'd also jumped out very impressively as well. But as uh, would you agree, one of the more... Ex- or if not the most exciting we've seen this season? Oh, I reckon so, for sure. And is, isn't it funny racing? I mean, I sort of went along to Doom and yesterday sort of thinking, well, there's a big group one meeting down south and and whatever. This is a pretty low-key old meeting at, at Doom. And then you see something like that and you think, wow, we, you know, like, where's this horse going to go? So, uh, yeah, onwards uh, and upwards. Luke Tarrant, uh, interesting cat, obviously, turned up in his dreadlocks yesterday and, and was very, um, very buoyant as he, as he crossed the line. Um, the proof will be in the pudding, I guess. He's had quite a few chances in racing, but I'm sure um, most people would say that he's a very talented rider. So if he can keep his life on the straight and narrow, which we hope he can, um, you know, this this really is his last chance in racing, no, I think, but, so I hope he grabs it. Yeah, no risk of a very talented rider, but he's also extremely fortunate that he has been given more than one opportunity. So let's hope he makes the most of it, and fingers crossed he will. Tony Gollan, of course, uh, went to Sydney yesterday. Uh, the meeting was called off. He came back, but he had a good day at Durban with a treble. Let's have a listen to one of those wins. Lyrical Girl, a very popular mare. Uh, she was a betting ring drifter, but she was too good for them. Straightening for home now, 3.50 left, Arana. Streaker railing through, joins Zezaman in the lead and heads it. Then came Black Magnum, Shabaton getting up to the rail. Wider was Lyrical Girl running on, and Alicia's Dream right down the outside. Streaker's no good thing, Lyrical Girl. Pounce to the centre of the track. Out wide, Alicia's Dream runs on strongly. Then Cardiff and Snow Zone. Lyrical Girl in front, trying to hold on, and Lyrical Girl. Lyrical Girl bit either Cardiff, Alicia's Dream or Snow Zone. Then came Zipping Boy, followed by Shabaton. Then Brad, Sherry, well back was Boingo, Streaker shocking, then Desert Man at last home, Black Magnum in 1-1.1. You'd like to have uh, half a dozen of lyrical girls in your backyard. She's a mare by your song. She's now won seven from 17, uh, ridden there by Ryan Maloney. Tony Gollan joins us on Past the Post. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. She was a drifter, 480 to eight fifty. There was a late rally for her, back to 750. What chance did you give her of winning yesterday? We had three horses in in the race, and I think I felt, like I said on the show we did last week, that I felt she was our best chance. Took over the thousand and fifty, the short trip, and last time in, it took her a little while to get fit. She had a, she only come back in one run, and then she had that extended break again. It just took me a while to get a fit this time. She's obviously like a lot shorter break, and and she's come to hand beautifully. And I was quite keen on her there yesterday. Through the way the track was was playing, it was playing sort of off fence, and Ryan rode her beautifully. Tony, you were there. I saw you arrived on track for your for the last race, which you won, were you able to see your two earlier winners or were you in the air flying back from Sydney at that point? 
Yeah, well, Ben, you'd know well and truly. You have Wi-Fi on the planes now, so you can watch your races the whole way. And I was, I was in mid-air on the runway, I think, at the time when she. And I was mid-air when she when she won, so I was able to watch it on the plane. It's great the technology, isn't it? And watch it wherever you are. And why did you decide to come back? Obviously, you've got Crone down there running at Newcastle tomorrow. You just um... I wasn't aware that Newcastle was on. Right. <laughs> I only found out that halfway home on the plane as well. So imagine the uh, fun you could have had in Sydney. Tell me about it. No. I, <laughs> I um, got a text from Steph Watkins to say uh, it's going to run on Monday at Newcastle, and I said, oh, I'm not sure what's going on on Monday, and that's when I found <laughs> out what was happening, which, in hindsight, I would have probably stayed and went at the track with her this morning, etc. but, you know, it was, it's good to get home. We've been away for a few days, and it's good to get back here to the stables and be around the stables this morning. I said she's a popular man, big winning uh, group here with Lyrical Girl. She never runs a bad race, seven wins and seven minor placings from 17 starts. But what I liked about yesterday, Tony, was that... Uh, well, once she was first up, and yeah, maybe she did find the right part of the track, but I like the fact that she sat off and ran on. Normally, we were expecting her to, to fire out and, and go up front, but it was a run-on performance yesterday. Yeah, I think it's a lot to do with how, how Ryan rode her, to be honest. I love the way that she stepped well, and you're right, David, she was able to be really tractable. I don't think she's ever really been a one-trick pony, mm. so to speak. She's not a lead-at-all-cost sort of horse. It's just that she's got such good early gate speed, that's just where she most often finds herself, yeah, particularly on tracks that are that are quick. You know, she want to use her use her early speed. But yesterday, you know, with the with a bit of doughiness in that ground from that rain we had on Friday night, I thought Ryan did well. She'd begun good and he was just able to let her travel where she was comfortable. What I liked most better win yesterday. She had that bad habit of wanting to lay in a lot in her races. And I thought, well if that's the case today it might bring her undone. We're trying to be sticking on that fence, which is clearly the no go zone there yesterday. But she didn't do that. She raced really tractable, lugging bit went back on yesterday and she was racing tongue tie and yeah, you know, it really did the job. I was a bit annoyed that she played up a little bit going to the gates, which she's got a bit of got a bit of that in a lyrical girl. She's a cantankerous little thing, but she she really executed the run beautifully. Tony, outside of um, Tony Sears' two-year-old, clearly I thought the most impressive win of the day was Smart Image. Wow, he, he just looked like he'd been fired out of a cannon late in this race. What, what um, I think he won by two and a half lengths, got well beaten at Toowoomba the start before. Just talk us through him. Yeah, he's a, he's a tricky sort of, sort of horse. He come up from Pete and Paul and. You know, he's a horse where he's had a few non-competes, where he's just got his head up and not wanted to run on at all. And I didn't really know what to make of him when I got him. He's a lovely-looking horse. He's a good sort. Um, I put a tongue tie. I've been working him in a tongue tie before he ran first up. I just went without it. And I, that probably had no, didn't have a lot to do with his run at Toowoomba. He just ran out of room. You know, they went along quite quick. It was an 1,100-metre race up there, and they, they certainly run it along at a probably 1,000-metre tempo. That was the race that Gowanji won. He was sort of coming into the race pretty good. I'm not saying he beats the winner, but he, he sort of would have been right there. In the placing, he just ran out of room, and Jimmy just said, oh, "I think it's a total forgive run." He done he done all his trials and jump outs on him, Jimmy Orman, and sort of knows him quite well. And yesterday, he just he just rode him really like he was the best horse in the race. He sort of just cut the corner and presented him to the outside. And at that stage today, we didn't really know that was going to be a quick, you know, a better lane where where he came. But geez, he put him away quickly. And, and sometimes horses can be visually good, but then it, it, it's not backed up with the 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 data. But on that, as you described as a doughy track, and I think that's an apt description, he still ran 110.68. They came home in 34.82. He gave them a mile start, so so time-wise, it's impressive as well. Oh, look, there's no, there's no fluke in the horse. He's always been able to gallop, just getting his head head right on the day. And, look, he could come out and make a fool of me in two or three weeks' time. He's done that before to, to Pete, Pete and Paul, and they do a fantastic job with their horses. So he's just that sort of horse. He's a little bit enigmatic. Uh, yesterday, he was, he was right on. I took a bit of a punt running him on the heavy ground. His soft, track, soft, soft stats had been good. His heavy stats, not so. But I think he's just that sort of horse. He, he can have his days on and off. 
just hopefully up here in Queensland, if he, you know, he gets a good habit of winning. That's a very low-grade race for a horse like him. He's racing stakes races as a younger horse. So that's sort of ability levels where he sits at. And there's no reason off yesterday's win if we can just pop him through his grades. He, he could easily be a, a stakes horse. I do think that's his trip, 1,200, however. I don't think he wants an awful lot further. I see he's gone OK out of that 1,350. But I think 1,200 really suits him speed on second half of the field and he's got a big finish. Uh, Crone tomorrow, Tone. Punters looking for a for a, a winner in a good race on a Monday, which uh, we don't normally. There's not too many good races on a Monday. Um, what are your thoughts going to Newcastle? Uh, she's nine dollars fifty in the market. Yeah, no, he's quite keen. And he trialled her last last week at Ramwick, um, which I'm glad we've got under her belt. That's bloody vitally important with this, you know, shifting of meetings, etc. And I heard David Van Dyke on earlier. You know, we haven't done any really serious work since um, Wednesday, but she had that really good trial under her belt at, at Randwick. She had a minor mishap in the morning of the Coolmore, which was exceptionally minor, but just enough for me not to run. Had her in a really good spot for, for this field. Um, I think she's really well-placed, well to be honest. I know there's a couple there that expat love the wet and Vangelis going well and the other, other Rosemont horse, uh, John O'Shea's ran particularly well in the Coolmore as well. So it's a very open, honest mare's race. But if she can't run well in this, well, then she's just nowhere near where she was last year. And that's going to be the question really that needs to be answered tomorrow. Is she as good or nearly as good as what she was last autumn. And if she's not, well, then we'll make decisions based on that. But she feels just as good. I think Bowman's a key booking. Low draw is important. I think the soft track in Newcastle will suit her. Yesterday's really heavy ground. I know she can handle it, but, geez, it was heavy. So I was half, half glad that shifted this meeting to Monday. And just an update, last one from me, Tone, on, on Jonker. Obviously, ran well down the track in William Reed. Is he likely to be retired, or, or what do you think? Mate, we just made that decision. We get him home. He's... Vet in Melbourne's comfortable the way that he's pulled up. I'm probably not as comfortable. So we'll just get him home to Embrook and we'll go all over him and just make sure there's something hasn't been missed. His work at Mooney Valley on Monday was really good. Craig knew it rode him. He just wasn't the same horse on Friday night, which is really disappointing under pressure. So I know he'd done a lot of work to get outside Lee, but it was inexcusable. He was beaten a long way from home, which is unjonker-like when he's been absolutely on song for us. He really fights hard. And he um, he lost his fight there on Friday night. So we need to get him home, make sure there's no, no ailments, and we'll make a decision in the next fortnight. Good on you, Tony. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Tony Gollan joining us. And there is something missing with Jonker for sure and certain beaten uh, eight lengths there by September Rum. Let's, uh, as Tony leaves us, let's have a listen to another one of his wins yesterday. It was Ulysses. This brought up the training treble in the last race. In the straight, 300 left to run. Academy outside of Rockamore looked to be going better. Tremonto in third, then Westlink. High cost, and Ulysses now starts to run on. He's finishing generously. Academy reached a clear lead. Ulysses is going to be a danger. Academy in front, up went Ulysses, and never no more screaming home. Ulysses in front, never no more chasing hard. Too late, Ulysses. Ulysses beat never no more, and Cloak got up for third. Montenegro man prominent for fourth. Academy tired late. Then high cost, followed by Westlink, yeah, they come in like Browns, Cows in the last, but Ulysses appreciating a good tempo coming from Worcester midfield to win the race. I want to go to one more replay as we round it out here on Past the Post. The previous race, this was run by 15 rounds who landed some good bets. 600 metres left to run. Bushido going quickly. 45-1-6 the first split. Leads Ryan Axe. Stintify going up at the centre. Shara Terra just behind them. Parksville near the rail. Then came at the head of the others. Factory Warrior. Gave us up making ground. Then get the idea. 15 rounds trying to make ground. And then Spindle and Dubai Prize back. Stone Motherless last. In the straight though. Ryan Axe despite a wide run went to the lead. 15 rounds gets out now. From back of the field starts to run on. Stintify still there. With 100 metres left to go. Stintify 
by. Get the idea driving through, and here's 15 rounds. Here he comes on the outside. 15 rounds. Up he went and won. 15 rounds, but get the idea and Sitsify. Fourth over the line was Ride Act, then gave us up Bushido, followed by Shara Terra, Dubai Pride, Parksville, Factory Warrior, and at the tail end was Swindle in 120.8. Yeah, $9 down to 6, and uh, unlucky the previous week at the Gold Coast. He was on the seven-day backup, and Robbie Fred rode him quietly, got into the clear at the right time, and home he went. Yeah, and lovely little tonic there for Barry Lockwood. That was a winning double for him yesterday. I don't think he's, he's, he's been in the best of health in recent times. I think he was in hospital yesterday. Certainly he wasn't on track, and his son was representing him. So cheerio to Barry, and um, hope you're on the improve. One of the most astute trainers uh, that goes around Barry Lockwood, uh, that is widely acknowledged, and... Uh, yeah, apart from 15 rounds, Isabella's spring run yesterday. And, of course, Cloak, first run for the stable, ran third in the last race. That was racing at Doombin yesterday. And that is past the post for March 27. What's ahead for you today? Uh, I've got to work, actually. Unfortunately, I'll be in here doing a bit of work for RaceNet for the next few hours. I can't wait for the next week, though. In the space of five days, bearing, bearing in mind we're running um, you know, the Group 1 card, the rest of the card at Newcastle on Monday, we'll have six Group 1s in the space of five days. We'll have mm. the Tancred and the Vinery tomorrow, and then, of course, on Saturday, the TJ, the Derby, the Size Produce and the Doncaster Mile. So um, if you love your racing... It's going to be a terrific five days for you. First day of the championships and only five weeks to the start of our carnival here. So it's all happening. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, David. Ben Doris. He'll join me tomorrow morning on Press Room. Hope you can as well. Uh, we'll have all of our regular panellists and all of the latest news. Have a good day. Bye-bye.